Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I'm your host this week, Chris Tilley, and I am joined by Rory Powers, who is IGN's answer to John Barrowman. That's a compliment, right? Um, well, with your fake accent. Yeah, oh. we're just talking about it in terms of the accent. Uh, but yeah, how are you doing, Rory? I'm doing fantastic. Good. Uh, I have two coffees in front of me. Yeah, that's a bit worrying. Yeah, well, this was the whole thing. I didn't know Dana made me a coffee, so I made myself another coffee. So it's kind of like Christmas morning right now. So are you gonna are you gonna speak increasingly faster as the podcast Very, goes on? My, my pitch is gonna rise exponentially. Something it's gonna be us- like Alvin and the Chipmunks by the time by the time we're done. That's something for us to look forward to. And I'm also joined by Luke Carmali, who's IGN's answer to Chris Farley. Yeah, but you know what? I'll take that. Unfortunately, just because they rhyme. How are yeah. you doing, Luke? Uh, I'm very good. It's my first actual podcast with with Rory, but we I know. S- we sit next to each other and we, we exactly. So we talk enough. This we is do. like extra work. I don't, we don't need to. Be I hope yet. you don't bring the tension from out there between the two of you into here because sexual or angry. <laughs> Which one are we? You tell me. Both. Yeah, yeah, you know. You shouldn't have put us facing off. Yeah. <laughs> There's quite a lot of intensity time, yeah. here. <laughs> okay, uh, moving swiftly on. Uh, Luke, you've done something exciting this week. Let's talk about that. I have. So. Uh, you, I don't mention it enough, really, but um, I like this game series called Final Fantasy. You're a fan. So um, the guy who composed a lot of the music for it and is a big, big composer in the Japanese uh, RPG world is a guy called Nobuo Umatsu. And um, he's been around kind of since the NES days. He was around when the game industry started. And he was over in London recording some songs for a new album. And they are Final Fantasy songs and like kind of remastered and slightly rearranged. And so he was recording that at Abbey uh, Abbey Road Studios. So I got to go along and go inside Abbey Road with him and interview him and um, watch him kind of watching the the songs. It was a bit bit surreal, really. Mm. Um, so I met him on Sunday night. I met him on Sunday night at his hotel, full disclosure, to um, to kind of do an interview with him. And that was great. Uh, and I was a bit hungover and so a little bit kind of dazed anyway. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'm just hungover. It'll be fine when I see him the following day. The following day, I was even more kind of confused. Just It was just very surreal meeting him. But he was a really, really nice guy and um, got some really good stuff from him in terms yeah. of his history. Um, and Abbey Road is a very nice studio. Who was playing the uh, the music? The London Symphony Orchestra. Oh, wow. No That's way. pretty good. Yeah. So it was, it was like the full orchestra and it was um, it was ridiculous. So we were kind of in the in you know the the booth where they have all the mixers mm. and um the conductors in there obviously conducting them and kind of being like they the take sounded exactly the same to us but he was like right now you need to come in a little bit sharp and a little bit and just the how meticulous they are and how they can respond mm. to such direction how they can pick it all apart um it was astonishing because you know as much as anything it was great meeting him but mm. you know it was just quite an experience anyway and also abbey road having so much history yeah which was have you been to abbey road yet I haven't. No, I haven't. I, I mean, there's not a lot the, to... the obligatory photo. Yeah, there's not a lot to see as a tourist, the... actually. Yeah, I almost did that, but I was on my own, and I was like, "That's going to be a well, bit that's, sad." Well, I don't want to Photoshop myself <laughs> four times, like some yeah. sort of lame. Tourist, I couldn't bring yeah. myself to do it when I was there. No, it I just all fa- I was there with a, a lot of um, American guys and yeah. uh, a bunch of journalists, and everyone was doing it. And I just, I was getting a bit. It was making me cringe. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was just going to say. That uh, just, oh god! Imagine you, if that was like your house, and that was your traffic was just tourists who were all standing well it's crazy there's just there's just que- there's just queues of cars there it must yeah. drive you mad if you if you drive there and don't realize it's coming up and yeah yeah because oh, i mean that was the thing like i when i was there i was just like am i on the right oh yeah no there's a zebra crossing with people queuing to get on it oh, yeah no we God. are absolutely yeah. queuing up That's yeah ridiculous uh so when will this be on the site this interview so this should be on the site um by the time the podcast is live this should be on the site oh so, wow yes wow. yeah exciting times yeah so it's all kind of it's in the pipeline Cool. Um, I put something on the site this week that was very exciting. I posted my top 10 films. Each of the uh, IGN editors has been doing top 10 mm. games, top 10 films. And it was my turn last week, which is really nerve-wracking for a critic to do that. Because once it's out there, it's out yeah. there. And then you'll know you're getting judged. Because people uh, know. So what did you go for? I went for I went for a mix of everything, really. Uh-huh. I'm excited. Uh, some old, some new, some... Um, Nothing too new, actually. I feel like okay. it's got to be. A f- I've got to give it a few years before it makes it onto the list to see if it still, <laughs> yeah. still holds up. That's, it, that's true, though. See yeah. if it resonates because you can come out of some films going wowzer, and then, and then you know, years. Inception was a bit like that for yeah. me, where I loved yeah. it immediately. Although I'm hearing people now when Interstellar come out saying they're they're back to liking Inception now. They've watched it a few times. Mm. But anyway, getting off the point. Yeah, and then and then also you know we know how the commenters are on IGN. Yes. just waiting for that. Love I took them. a lot of criticism. For having black and white films on there, okay, two black and white films, this, yeah. For putting, uh, someone said, "Oh, 
look at the pretentious guy he's got the obligatory black and white film <laughs> and then someone else going yeah you know people don't understand that uh, you know we've come so far in such a short period of time that you can't compare them that they're just not in the same league and it's like no that's not true at all that's ridiculous that's bull man I don't know why I'm saying this I mean you know me if the film's made before 95 I can't <laughs> this sit through by it, any but... chance 14 <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe you know what there were a couple of people that said oh I've never heard of this one I've never heard of that one I'm going to mm, check yeah. it out and if that's all that a list does that's great that's really exciting yeah absolutely. And I, I, I mean I put one that's been on many of our lists yeah. um, doing this process uh, as my number one which is Back to the Future yeah. yeah it was on Dan's list I think it would be on Alex's if Alex It'd did be one on mine too for sure of course yeah absolutely. you love you love Back to the Future so that was fun getting to talk about Back to the Future with Dan for 10 minutes although I think I just rabbited on like I just yeah. couldn't stop talking because <laughs> I like it because yeah. of this because of that because of this because of that what was your criteria because like when I did my one for games yeah I I found coming up with 10 games not too difficult, but then ranking them, it was like, yeah. ooh, this is a bit of a tricky one. Uh, yeah, the ranking... I mean, it doesn't matter the, that much, but the you rankings, know. Yeah, it was pretty vague. Like, uh, it was just, I was trying to, yeah, there, uh, there was no reason for really the ranking. I knew Back to the Future would be at number one. I knew Godfather would be near the top. Um, mm. But then, yeah, I changed it. I've never had these two horror films on my top 10 list until just this, I did this one. Which one? The Wicker Man and Don't Look Now. Oh, wow. And they're just quite... Because I wanted to put oh, films don't that... look... Uh, Nicholas Rowe? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had to... Uh, I did a written piece on that. And did just, you? I ended up watching it so many times. Did you? Such a weird... So you can probably tell film. me about it. <laughs> I, know, uh, I know a terrifying amount about that. And film. such a horrible ending. Oh, yeah, man. It's just strange. devastating. But um, I put films on it that mean a lot to me. So, like, yeah. Swingers was my number 10. And I don't think that's a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. But just the way I've revisited it in different periods of my life and it's meant different things. Mm. And it was a chance to talk about yourself a bit, which we never do on IG. And, you know, yeah. I try and make it all really subjective, what, writing reviews and features and things. But for once, you could get a bit personal mm. and talk about your fam. I've talked about my family a bit and watching ET, and like the power of ET, I think is brought home by my memories of how it affected my brother. Because I was maybe five and my brother was four, and we went to the cinema to see it. And my brother, it upset my brother and made him cry so much because he was so sad that we had to leave the cinema and go home. Really? But then. He, he, he couldn't stop crying when he thought about it and he missed E.T. and he wanted to see it again and so he cried until we took him back to the cinema oh and it was like this vicious circle that would upset him so much but yet he needed to see it again. That's full-scale trauma. And that's the genius of Spielberg though that he can yeah. make you feel that. Like it is... There's moments of E.T. that are absolute misery. Yeah. They've made you feel horrible. It but yet you you put yourself through it because you know you want to be part of it and you know what's coming. I remember watching it as a kid and I, it really upset me. When and you think he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it really I'm imagining me. you like on a bike with your brother in the back <laughs> yeah. in the front racing to the cinema. Desperately <laughs> trying to the get moon, there. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry, don't we'll worry. We'll stop you crying. It'll be okay. <laughs> I did. I did actually do. I did dress up as as um, as ET. With the blanket, <laughs> yeah. red riding hood. Uh, I, I dressed up. I, I got some, made some handlebars, put on a red hoodie, yeah. and then got a cardboard cutout of, of ET and put it in a little basket and just walked around like that. Oh, uh, for, like dress, a, oh, for Halloween okay, yeah. costume. That's really good. I looked awesome. That yeah. is. That's a great costume. How old were you then? This was about. I was at IG. I was working at IG. <laughs> yeah. This was about five years ago. <laughs> was worth checking. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's go on to the news. Uh, yes. Luke, should we start with your news first because I've been talking too much? Yes. Okay. Sure. Um, so Grand Theft Auto Online is finally getting heists. Yay! Something that we've been talking about since Grand Theft Auto Online launched. Uh, God, like God, September before this one. Yeah. Which makes me feel. It's like been I've pushed. Been... It's been pushed back like a number. Yeah. Of times so now, they just kept saying they were going to come. So for those not to know, heists are a very successful part of the of the solo game, where basically you take you have to plan it out, select lots of different ways to how you're going to pull off this job. So whether it's mm -hmm. an elaborate robbery or freeing someone from a prison or something like that. Um, and they were meant to be in the online multiplayer mode and they just hadn't really turned up and we hadn't heard anything about them. That we were just constantly told they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Anyway, we finally got a trailer, some screenshots um, and news that they will arrive at some stage in early 2015. Um, Rockstar won't be put, uh, like pinned down because, you know, they're not going to release them before they're ready. There's exactly, quite yeah. a lot of pressure at this stage. Um, but some of the interesting stuff we got, because we got to do um, an interview with Rockstar. And so... Apparently, it's going to launch with uh, five unique strands, so five different heists. Then within them, there's going to be 20 missions. Sub-heists. Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of like the prep mission where you have to go and get a getaway car and scout out the building. And then the other one where you actually have to you know, pull it off. And then another one where you get away. So 20 hours of gameplay. Um, but just how intricate it, sa it sounds and thinking about it, the stuff that you don't think about, like when you play a game and you're controlling three characters, you've got 
the one who's the getaway driver, when you're controlling the one in the vault, you know, you don't have to worry about what he's doing. But in actual fact, if he's just there sitting in the car twiddling his thumbs, really <laughs> well, this boring. Is, this is it so, as well. Because I mean, when you're playing on the online story, mm. obviously you're with uh, computer players and you can control like every aspect of it. So, I mean, very recently I've been playing uh, a lot of Grand Theft Auto, uh, especially online. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, and I, it's it's funny to imagine that this level of teamwork could exist successfully in a game because I mean I'll join a lobby and I'm like oh this is gonna be so much fun and then it's like <laughs> someone's placed a five thousand bounty on your head yeah. and then people just shooting you down like it's chaos in these worlds so that same thing maybe you like rob a bank and then you get out and you're like go 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 and then the the guy in Australia is eating a bowl of Cheerios in the kitchen. <laughs> you're just sitting there outside the bank and you're like, what are you doing? I think so, it sounds um, really exciting because what it, communication sounds key. So I don't know how they're going to do that because exactly. we, it's weird. It doesn't say if there's going to be voice chat support or anything like that. Um, but it does sound really interesting. And there's lots of different things. So uh, if you're the heist leader, you get to make slightly more decisions. You have to set up a high end apartment. So you have to have the money for that. And you have to put all the money up front. Um, oh and then you don't get paid throughout the heist. So as a house leader you need to make sure that everything goes smoothly but if you're just kind of a crew member you get paid incrementally as it goes on it just sounds like a system they really thought through and you it can understand really why cool. it's taking them yeah and if anyone it's Rockstar that will be able to pull it yeah. off to make it work and it very much sounds like this is the start of it like there will be more so exactly I just bought a house in that game it's uh. a very nice house it's up, it's up in the Hollywood Hills <laughs> when you were like it's I just bought a house in this game <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, in this game it was really lame as well because I bought the house and uh, I was playing online with my sister, and I was like, oh, let's celebrate, like, come on over to see the house. So she came over in the game, and we were like, let's have some drinks, because you can drink in the game as well. Uh, and you can drink, there was whiskey in my kitchen, so I was drinking whiskey. Mm. The more you drink, your screen Blurs, goes right? weird yeah. and blurry, and you walk funny and things like that. So I was like, let's see how far I can take this, and see how <laughs> drunk I can get. I drank so much that I died. Oh my god. I, I put back one Rory. last whiskey and then I just went limp and died in my kitchen. And it was just my sister standing there. Sister she standing over like, your dead body. Exactly, yeah. That's so, really sad. It's quite sad. Isn't you know, it? she gets the house, right? In the world. So it it's okay, yeah, yeah, you know. It's all and good. the bounty, apparently, that was on my head. So. Yeah. Because I was going to say, you should drink in real life what you're drinking there and see how that happens but then don't, don't do that don't, yeah, so don't, you, should, you should stop don't do then. that that's a bad idea because yeah. <laughs> I did GTA Online when it came out and it was a bit rough around the edges but by all accounts it sounds like I'm going to have to jump back in it's so. great now especially because uh, you know you can transfer your accounts over from yes. the previous generation so there's a lot of people playing the worlds are very busy I think they support up to 30 players now yeah. in one world so it's crazy it's really really fun yeah no I'll have to give it a go especially with my penchant for MMOs Sounds amazing. Uh, I'm going to talk about a less joyous story now, yes. but it's one we can't ignore. And to be honest, we've, we're recording this like 24 hours before it goes live. It might have changed between now and then because yeah. it's, it's on, constantly ongoing. But obviously everyone knows now about the Sony hack and what's been happening there. And it's kind of been tied in with, well, the media's tied it in and, and it looks like it might be tied in with uh, the release of this movie, The Interview, the Seth Rogen, um, James Franco movie about North Korea, like a, a comedy that... North Korea has apparently not taken too well. And so um, I'll just go through kind of the timeline of the last three days because it's been it's been pretty wacky, but it's kind of escalated fast. Um, it started out with a statement made by the people claiming to have done the hack. Um, and the statement said, we will clearly show it to you at the very time and places the interview be shown, including the premiere, how bitter fate those who seek fun in terror should be doomed to. Soon all the world would see what an awful movie Sony Pictures Entertainment has made. Uh, the world will be full of fear. Remember the 11th of September 2001. We recommend you keep yourself distant from the places at that time. If your house is nearby, you'd better leave. Whatever comes in the coming days is called by the greed of Sony Pictures Entertainment. All the world will denounce uh, the Sony. So that was the statement that was put out. Um, we were told that... Um, that there was no credible intelligence to indicate that there was an active plot yeah. happening. And so kind of uh, the US Department of Homeland Security said not to worry about it. But then, understandably, the theatre chain started getting worried. Yeah. So uh, Wednesday of this week, um, it started off with uh, Carmikey Cinemas and Bowtie Cinemas pulling the film. Um, Landmark Theatres cancelled the premiere that was going to happen in uh, New York City this mm -hmm. week. Um, the National Association of Theatre Owners then released a statement basically saying it was up to the theatre owners if they wanted to pull the film, but they would understand. Yeah. Uh, following that, Regal Cinemas, Cinemark, Cineplex and AMC dropped the movie. See, they're the big chains. They're right? the big chains, yeah, which meant effectively that no one was going to be able to see it. Um, 
And then, uh, understandably, uh, some of the other studio owners were getting annoyed, movie studios, that their films were going to be in the cinemas that week, the same week, and that people just wouldn't be going to the cinemas. Yeah. So, uh, finally, Sony um, cancelled the release of the movie. Yeah. So, the movie's due out on Christmas Day in America. Yeah. And uh, initially, they were saying they were going to release it VOD instead. That was kind of the rumours. But they released a statement saying in light of the decision by the majority of our exhibitors not to show the film, we decided not to move forward the planned December 25th to theatrical release. We respect and understand our partners' decisions and of course completely share their paramount interest in the safety of employees and theatre-goers. Uh, they then go on to talk about the hack and just how really sad and awful it's been for the company yeah, and for freedom of expression and... You know, they say they stand by the filmmakers. And then finally, kind of the latest statement was that um, there looks like there's no plans to release it on DVD or VOD. That was this early this morning. As well. Yeah. So it's going to be tricky, isn't it, to get it on VOD? Because it's the second, you know, if Netflix was to say, yeah, no, we'll host it, right? They then become the next target. It's going to get out eventually. Yeah. It's going to get out there. And, and because of all this attention, you just know that it's going to travel like wild. Yeah, everyone now wants to see it. I had no interest in seeing it no, before. Like, really? Yeah, yeah, now yeah. a bit like just curiosity. But Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an amazing amount of publicity this film's getting. I, I always talk about it. My mum's not into movies. And I yeah. always think about it in terms of, well, my mum will know this film now. Yeah. She'll, know, she'll know who Seth Rogen is by this point. Mm. And like, yeah. But, I mean, equally, this is a $40 million plus movie. I guess maybe double that if you include all the kind of advertising they would have done and pre-promotion like yeah. I interviewed Seth Rogen two weeks ago over the phone about it yeah I mean that all kind of goes to pot now it's not coming out on the on the so planet so many repercussions yeah. just mm. you know from this one thing it's and it's just, just really depressing it's really depressing I mean I'll tell you one one repercussion that, that happened today is that another film that was about to go into production has been cancelled oh, yes. so it's a Steve Carell movie called uh, Pyongyang uh, based on a graphic novel um, paranoid thriller about Western experiences in North Korea. Gore Verbinski, massive director, was going to direct to shoot in March. Uh, that's been dropped. Mm. That's no longer happening. Uh, it sounds like the FBI have connected North Korea directly to the cyber attacks, even though they've denied it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. I guess we, we've no word from Sony over here what's going to happen with the film. I guess um, I'll try and find that out yeah. after we do this podcast. But it's just a really miserable thing to happen. It's it's not it's not great for anyone involved, especially for there's so many departments of Sony that are affected by this. And as you said, it's not just the release of the film; it's other films that are out in the cinema at the yeah. same time. And it's it's really difficult for for Sony being put in this position where it's you, you can't really win either way. Either you don't, and people are going to complain, yeah. or you you do show the films and you risk this threat. And then if anything does you know come to fruition, then you are absolutely to blame. And yeah. yeah, it's a horrible situation to be in for them as a company. I remember when um, Four Lions. Have you seen Four Lions? Yeah, it's a great, it's great the movie. Chris Morris one with yeah. the terrorists, kind of satire of, of the Taliban, pretty at the much. London at the London Marathon. Yeah, and it's a very, very funny movie. But there was a similar thing happened there, where in the states, uh, they were kind. They kind of said, if anyone picks up this movie for distribution, you know, you're in mm. trouble. We're gonna, we're gonna hunt you down. And so no one picked it up. And a friend of mine, Tim Leake, who runs the Alamo Draft House Cinemas over there in Fantastic Fest, uh, he literally set up. A film label so he could buy the film and release it and they went he went on tour around the cinemas of america with chris morris the writer director doing q a's and and screening the film which was great and there nothing happened no. nothing happened and yeah. like i say the department of homeland security said nothing will happen in this instance but i guess you know people people's safety is paramount but it just yeah. i don't know it puts out a worrying message that you can do just it complain if, and then you know you'll get a change if it, you don't like agree yeah. with something then it's, it's tricky because i mean i i kind of see the point it's just you know, if they'd gone for a fictitious dictator, there wouldn't have been the issue, would there? Well, this is it. As soon as I... Because uh, I mean, once they said Kim Jong... months back when I heard about the premise of the film, yeah. I understood. And they were like, they're going to be sent to assassinate... Um, Kim Jong. Exactly. Kim and Jong immediately Un. at that Un. point, you know, but I think this is even before they started shooting, I was like, this is not going to... There's going to be some... I mean, some the problem is, if you, talk, you listen to any kind of political commentators and stuff talking about North Korea, and this is all getting very serious now. It is. But, the one, but the one thing they do say is that yeah, and especially since Kim Jong-un's come to power, he wants to be viewed as serious. He's a serious guy. He wants people to take him seriously. He wants the world to take him seriously. And no one has. That's what the escalations about the missiles are and everything. And so to make a comedy film about assassinating him in particular, I mean, you know, you can do what you want, but it's just a bit like, if it would have, would it have killed them to make a fictitious But I land? think it's important to make satires of this kind of subject. It's yeah, terrifying no, what he's true. up to. And, and, and I think the best way to take these people down a peg or two is through humour. But yeah. it's, and you know, we're giving in to the terrorist demands and it's like, oh man, I know. it's, it's, 
it's just a horrible situation, and I, I, I'm interested to see how how it pans out from here mm. on in. I want to, see, like you say, I want to see the film. Yeah. We gave it a positive review. Yeah. I mean, above all, it just sounds like it's quite a silly film. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, like Brogan and Franco, like you know, it's going to be stupid. Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, it's yeah. gonna, it's, there's going to be elements of satire, but it's just going to be ridiculous. Like, you know. The setting's kind of secondary to, 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 to them. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's just going to be like a Seth Rogen film. It's going to yeah. be a light comedy. You know. So anyway, more news on that one as and when it breaks, because mm-hmm. this is this is just um, an ongoing story. But Rory, I think you got something a little more lighthearted. Yeah. Yes, much more lighthearted. Orlando Bloom uh, has talked about Pirates 5 maybe being a soft reboot for the franchise. Yeah. Mm. So, and this was in a... This was in an interview, wasn't it? This was a junket, yeah, for The Hobbit. Hobbit. This is, yeah, an IGN exclusive, as it were. exciting. When we were talking to him about The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. So what what was it he said exactly? Has anyone got the quote? um, The exact quote was he said that they wanted to try and do... um, He he basically said, um, I think they sort of want to reboot it. Um, And he then went on to kind of say that they were going to um, explore him as Davy Jones and his relationship with his son. Okay. Um, So... Because obviously he's spending however long underneath the ocean and can only set foot on land, what, one day every 10 years or something like that. So we'll right. be all barnacled. And- yeah, and, and obviously you can't really take your son under the wave. That kind of stuff is frowned upon. So <laughs> I'm I hope just, you, you don't try that one. Just day, saying. Uh, I um, think this was talked about on a previous uh, podcast recently, but are, mm. are you guys excited about Pirates 5? I, I'm a little biased because um, I, I love pirates. I love, you know, all that kind of like pirate lore, pirate history, all that yeah. kind of stuff. I used I, to love it when I was a kid. And the, the first and second uh, and even third Pirates of the Caribbean film, you know, meant a lot to me when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I really, really enjoyed them. I have kind of fallen out of love. So maybe this is the kind of thing that they're, maybe this soft reboot will be, is that initiative to kind of regain some of that audience. Did you that, see, that the, uh, did you films. see four? I didn't see four. So I tried to watch four on Netflix. I was doing some cooking, uh, like about about two months ago, like the first and last time I remember. I was going to say the first and last time I remember doing that. (laughs) And then it was, um, it basically, I I just couldn't get into it, and I don't know what it was, but I I have. It seems that actually, Keira Knightley and Orlando Bloom serve as really really good foils for um, Johnny Depp and the mere fact that they didn't have someone with quite the same chemistry or they didn't have that dynamic, it just didn't quite click for me and it just mm. all became a little bit too ridiculous yeah, yeah. so the idea because so it is important to say that he did say in this interview he's like um talk this long going he's still interested in it yeah um but he hasn't signed on the dotted line yeah um i think if he came back it could really re-interest me in it but at the moment i'm just a little bit mm, i'm not sold on it's it. quite interesting the directors they've got they've got a couple of guys who are quite new to the directing scene they made a movie co- called contiki which is out in yeah. the uk this week actually and um, I still am yet to see it, but I really want to. It's an action film set on a raft on the Pacific. That's pretty much the whole movie. Oh, I think I saw about it, or at least saw a trailer or something. Yeah, and uh, so it's really interesting that they've got a new vibe. Apparently the action in it's incredible, even though they did it on quite a low budget. So it'll be interesting to see people with kind of a new... Because I think, did Gore Verbinski direct all of them? I think so. Uh, no, I think it was maybe Rob Marshall did the fourth one. But I, th- I feel like it three. needs something, a, a new yeah. viewpoint, a new kind of approach Pair-wise. to make that one work. Well, this could be it. Yeah. Hopefully, this is hopefully what they're going for. Mm. for I mean, number five. looking at this, so th- stuff we've heard before is that, um, so we know Johnny Depp is back, but we've also heard Jeffrey Rush will come back as Barbosa, and he's meant to be teaming up with a new villain called Captain Brand, who's a ghost bent on revenge against Sparrow, who he blames for the murder of his brother. And then that villain is allegedly the front runner for that is uh, Javier Bardem, and following up behind him is Christoph Waltz. Right. Yeah, well, Javier Bardem, his wife was in Penelope the last pirates movie yeah don't know if she'll be back yeah. but yeah so cool all right well enough pirates talk because i don't like any of those films apart from the first one <laughs> so. three was long like three was it really was, long. Was long yeah right christmas is around the corner and we have uh quite a lovely uh email from uh jamie morales navayas Jamie Morales, he calls himself here. And he says, uh, Duck Hunt, I just wonder what all your favourite Christmas movie moments are. I always get stick for calling Die Hard a Christmas movie, but I love the moment the vault opens to Ode to Joy, which is a brilliant moment. Yeah. It is a Christmas movie. Of course it's a Christmas movie. It um, so, 
Let's talk about our favourite Christmas movie moments. Not Christmas movies, but moments within. Moments, um, I mean, I'll kick off with one from Die Hard. I love it when he's ho, 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 now I have a machine gun. I think that's a really, <laughs> it's a really dark, horrible, funny bit, but it just perfectly sums up John McClane. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's just really winding these guys up. He's not just taking them out. He's winding them up before he does it. Yeah. Uh, it's a funny moment in maybe the greatest Christmas movie. So, yeah, another Die Hard one, Jamie. I'm with you on that one. Rory? Rory? I love um, Jingle All the Way. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger's a Christmas film. Yeah. It is just incredible. So uh, there's one amazing line where he's... Of, if you've both seen the film. Yeah. yeah. He's out searching for the, the Turbo Man doll to get for his son. And uh, the neighbor, who is essentially uh, a frisky Ned Flanders, yeah. he's back, <laughs> home, he's back yeah. home flirting with his wife. Um, and he's baking cookie or eating the cookies the wife has made. Yeah. And there's one point where uh, Arnold goes... Put that cookie down now! <laughs> he screams, and then of course everyone is, is staring at him. I just, I love that whole film. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Wow, so I'm just taking. Well, while you were out of the room, I was saying to Luke, I'm taking a whole lot of abuse for saying on Twitter just now that Jingle All the Way is the worst Christmas movie. What? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and a load of Chris, people, no. a load of people are tweeting me back. Put down the cookie as well. <laughs> yes, um, that's right. There nice. you go. But hey, it's your you know, part of the problem. We're not, we're not here to. We're problem. not here to. I'm not here fantastic. to judge. Yeah. it's great that we've all got different opinions. I mean, it's really loud and obnoxious. And uh, <laughs> Luke, <laughs> but then so's Rory. Um, yeah, there you go. So, so Rory's perfectly. Uh, I would say Love Actually. Now, I, I really like the a moment in Love Actually. Just one moment in particular. So the Rowan Atkinson bit is quite silly, but generally, I actually think. Um, that moment that everyone knows, that em- the moment where Emma Thompson gets the gift and unwraps it, and it's the CD rather than the necklace that Alan Rickman's bought for yeah. the hussy. Yeah. And, um, the hussy. The, the hussy. And it just, your, your heart breaks. And it's mm. ju- she just kind of, you know, she's trying to hold it together. She's like, wow, it's Joni Mitchell, thank you. Who <laughs> in herself, like, Joni Mitchell's the most depressing music you can get as well. And um, I, I just, I think that really cuts through all the pomp and ceremony of the rest of the kind of movie. And it's just yeah. like, in actual fact, it's Christmas, but it's like that line in Friends where they're like, even though it's Christmas, people still die. It's like, <laughs> even though it's Christmas, it, you can still be really miserable, like, and it can be quite awful. And that's your favourite Christmas Wow, moment. that's no, a, no, no, that's no. a, that's I, a lovely moment. Hot, you know, <laughs> machine no, guns I, and you can <laughs> death. No, I'm gets, the only one that picked cookies. It gets better. It, it, it gets better. It gets better. Um, oh, sorry, guys. But, um, <laughs> I'm going to get black for that yeah, now. On there you go. <laughs> it, does get, it does get better, but um, I just thought that that was a nice one to start off with just because it's... Um, it's one of the more real kind of Christmas moments. Yeah. Because in fact, I think everyone feels a lot of pressure at Christmas to be happy and jolly, whereas that's a bit more like... That's one of the things that makes that film quite good. It can be quite... I don't know if I want to continue if we've picked Love Actually and Jingle all the way. No, no, it's I feel fine. A I, bit, get... I feel a bit sick. No, I get, um, <laughs> I get that. But let, let's go around the same. Okay, okay. Uh, so I've had that one. I'm going to say... Um, I love Elf. Yeah, I okay. love Elf. From the, I saw an early preview of it. It was a Sunday morning. I was really hungover and I was surrounded by children making noise. And it was like a nightmare. Hell, yeah. And uh, thank God the film was good. Yeah. I, I really good because the kid next to me doesn't know how close he came to me <laughs> vomiting on him <laughs> during that movie. Uh, uh, but I, I feel like it's kind of a Pixar movie brought to life in yeah. that it's kind of it's got something for adults, it's got something for kids. It, it works on a bunch of levels and it's genuinely funny. And I really like the bit where he recognises Santa. Yeah, and he gets oh, so, so excited because it's that childlike excitement you would get when you see Santa. Yeah. And w- I think Will Ferrell's at his best when he's kind of playing innocent, dim kind of innocent yeah, characters. Absolutely. And yeah, I just think that that's, that scene really makes me laugh. Yeah. They, they really nailed it because I think it's difficult to make specifically a Christmas film like to make a Christmas film in this day and age that becomes a tradition yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it already has every yeah, Christmas because the first you know I, I was working for a magazine we did a feature on it there wasn't a lot of interest it wasn't a big hit we, we talked it up a lot where I worked and then I don't know I didn't hear much about it for about five years and then it, it's I think maybe Channel 4 had the rights to it and were playing yeah. every year here and it just became a thing where you would you would notice on Twitter suddenly everyone was talking about and it at the same time. lines like um, people saying like um, oh I'm a cotton headed ninny muggins and yeah, stuff yeah. like that like <laughs> That's like, but also I don't know of anything to do with the Zoe Deschanel's kind of star in the Ascendant because back then no one really knew who she was, and yeah. now she's kind of well, with new girl and yeah, and now her, new girl and also oh, she did like she did Yes Man and yeah, stuff like when that. Yeah, when she sing, sings that duet with him and when she's taking a shower, it's kind of yeah. weird. It is, but yeah, it's, your it heart is, kind of melts because her voice is so I was lovely. Because her voice is it's, and it's so yeah. like jazzy and yeah. like yeah, and Judy Garland. Yeah, so like um that's. 
I also had Elf, and I had like just Swedish and Elf singing. Okay, that's well, yeah, that would that would that's a really good one. Yeah, good Rory. One. So my next one is, and I'm interested to see what you think of this. Uh oh, yeah. No judgment here uh, anymore. Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> very good, good, very film. good. Yes. Very good one right, of the best Christmas one. Carol adaptations, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. We uh, we kind of have a tradition in my house where we watch it on every Christmas Eve. Yeah. So it's like you know the thing we do before we go to bed, uh-huh. and just that opening that opening number about Ebenezer Scrooge, and it kind of just shows you the magic of this town filled um, with Muppets and all yeah. the uh, the marketplace, the bustling marketplace. It's just incredible, and the the design and the artwork and the music is just, yeah. I, Absolutely it's it's it magical. So like mm. Christmas is is supposed to be magical, and that captures it. I think completely. Yeah. yeah. So that is hands down one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Yeah. A little nicer than Put the Cookie Down. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. I mean, mine. So my next one is. Uh, I don't know if it's a bit of a weird one, but kind of like you guys watch it every Christmas Eve. Yeah. I always watch this every Christmas Eve. Um, and it's the Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. And it's you stole it. my third one. There you go. Oh, and it's and it's that song. It's you know what's this? What's this? Yeah, and like, and it's just kind of again that childlike excitement where yeah. you're just kind of and he's misinterpreting everything, but you're like, this is amazing. It's just um, and I remember the first time I saw it because I was kind of interested in the whole uh, macabre stuff about it when I first mm. saw yeah. it, and then. Uh, I just think it marries the two so beautifully. And so, yeah, no, that was that was my next one. Well, that film is fantastic because it is like a double barrel film. So I watch mm. it every Halloween. Yes. But I also watch it every Christmas. Yeah, yeah I'm right. I'm so torn. I don't know yeah, which one. And then the like... summer months, no, on the shelf. It's gone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, uh, that's a great well, what, what scene would you pick from that one then? So I'm just checking um, Well, if it's Christmas related, then I definitely would pick the, the Christmas one. Yeah. But even, God, even that film is grim. It kind is. Of the conclusion to that? Yeah, the, no, that I... I that, uh, there's always a temptation that I have to kind of switch it off before we get to the end because it kind of goes a little bit wrong. Um, yeah. Like where he's kind of going on a bit of a rampage. But um, They should just have him like leave on the sleigh and then like fade to credits. Yeah, that, that's like, what I'm going to do. Christmas. And yeah. Make a little PG stop. version. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's, it's, that's yeah. the way to do it. Has anyone else got the entire finale to Home Alone? Which one? One or two? One. I have the, a two because because that was it was so we've t- I think we talked about this a year we've ago we've argued about this if before. I'm honest with you because I think two is, is is a good movie I mean it's a remake essentially but <laughs> it was because the first one it was just you'd never seen anything like it before yeah and I was at the right age when did it come out Nine, early 90s wasn't it yeah yeah I was I was about the same age as Kevin yeah and so it was just amazing watching this kid get one over on all these these adults yeah and man it's so funny like it's you look back at it and it's so evil. He's psychotic, that kid is. Yeah, he really but is. But man, it's funny when you're watching it. And I think it helps because of Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern being such funny, act, such good actors and such brilliant physical comedians Perfect, in it. Yeah. So yeah, go on, do Home Alone 2. Yeah, then, so because... 2 I was going to do. So in terms of like an actual Christmas moment, that moment where he's standing in front of the of the tree is obviously amazing. But And also the toy shop um, is great. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also li- love the Plaza Hotel just because, so I can't, one of my things that I've always wanted to do is go to New York at Christmas and go to the Plaza Hotel just to see it all decorated. Yeah. Because, um, I, I, again, be I think weird. that's brilliant. But, yeah, that psychotic moment, like, in two, it's when he's on the roof and he's throwing the bricks down and it hits Daniel Stern in the head. And just the sound effect is yeah. just such a... You, it's like it is bone on stone. Yeah. It's like bone on bang. stone, and um, it's and it's so so harsh. Um, well, it's, what, it's funny because it's making like comical of something that could easily kill should, a man. He should yeah. be dead. Wait, exactly. It's, yeah. a, it's a Tom and Jerry cartoon brought to life. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Uh, but I watched it with someone who didn't speak any English last year. Yeah, that just the last half hour, and you don't need any words in that movie, no. really. Uh, it was I mean, it's pretty much the biggest comedy of all time when it came out mm. the first one was, was and it is it's funny all the way through and then it's really funny and again it's a bit obnoxious I don't yeah. like obnoxious but we're um, having that one Any- I used to set Home Alone traps in my house all the time after seeing that film <laughs> For your, and that's how your, your father died traps things like that <laughs> <laughs> Any more, yeah, Rory? Tripped up on crushed <laughs> yeah. Christmas decorations. We're going to keep going on these till we run out. Have yeah. you got any more, Rory? Yes, I do actually okay. have one. Um, What's up next? Oh, yeah. he's, he's, uh, the coffee's kicking in. Yeah, I, think. I, can oh, see I know. I'm like, already yes, no, I'm I'm halfway through this one. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's a wonderful life. I really, really like that film. I a find Christmas it a bit, classic. I, I do find oh. it a bit bleak. That's Which scene? The obligatory, uh, obligatory black and white, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, well, I, it was in my top ten. It was actually in my top yeah. ten. I actually really enjoy the whole sequence of when he actually uh, doesn't exist and no one recognizes him. Because as a kid, that I was terrified that that yeah. was going to happen to me one day when I woke up. Uh, that I would yeah. like, go downstairs and no one would know who I was. Yeah. So I thought that was really exciting. And then that, like... Christmas setting, all the snow coming down. And yeah. It's pretty bleak as well, actually, now that I think about it. But uh, it always just kind of sticks with me in the Christmas film. Yeah. Well, that's what I said in my in my write-up where I put it on my list, that it's funny, it's clever film in that 
it's two hours of relentless misery with 10 minutes of happiness and joy at the end. Yeah. And yet, it's in a weird way, you only really remember the joy. Like, it's, it seems like you just remember it being a happy film and... and and it's not at all. It's really, it's really sad. It just is like a decline. It just gets bleaker and bleaker yeah. until there's uh. just this happy little payoff. Yeah. There, so right? for me, it's the ending. It's when he's he's running through the town, you know, oh, and waving yeah, at everyone, yeah, exactly. and it's just. So I mean, I saw it makes that, me cry. I saw that for the first time when I used to work in an independent cinema. So I actually saw it on oh, wow. on, on a screen. Cool. Um, and obviously, I had no idea what was coming at the end. I was because like, you, you, I've heard bits of it, and I was like, this is so depressing. And we were kind of allowed to. It was Christmas. We were allowed to help ourselves to alcohol. So I was just happily drinking my way. Through, through the pain bad there. idea like, do not sync up your and, alcoholism and then, at the, end, and then at the end it's like there's the happy bit and of course I'm like oh god and just start crying <laughs> so yeah that was it does, a, it does make me well up though the yeah. ending yeah oh, I think it's a I don't need help film. it's a lovely film and god I, I, I fear that someone's going to remake it one day and it would just there's be there's been mutterings about that I swear yeah it's, it would just be even they, they did a colourised version of it and it just doesn't look right yeah um, Luke I like the um I like Polo Express. I think that's actually the end is well. The, you know what's not more? What isn't more Christmassy than cold, dead eyes of animated <laughs> characters that don't look right? Yes, that really the, is the joy of Christmas. Well, is it, I was staring just into the bleakness and the with, nothing. With Tom Hanks that looks slight, like something's gone wrong somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I I liked um, Polo Express. The tra- the bit on the tra- when they first get on the train mm. and you know they're all getting uh, like hot like cocoa type stuff. I yeah. was like, that just feels quite Christmassy, and they're all in their pajamas, and then you just have one old man with a bit of a dodgy moustache. And in hindsight, now looking back, I'm like. That's a questionable, <laughs> questionable <laughs> setup. But um, like at the time, I thought that was quite I've, sweet. Yeah, I've never watched it. It was it was kind of a hit at the time. It got some pretty bad yeah. reviews, mainly because mm. of the the appearance of like the human characters. But it's really become quite um, built quite a following. It still it's, comes. It's on, released. It? It's like released every year in cinemas. It's re released in mm. IMAX and stuff, and it makes money. Like that's one that's just kind of motoring on in the way that I think. Uh, Frozen will be yeah. one that's going to be released every year from here on in. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that re-releasing thing is something that doesn't really happen. It used to happen when I was a kid. You'd get ET was released like four years in a row, but now it doesn't seem to happen. But with with um, Polar Express and now I think with Frozen, it's a big thing. I think it's happening. Well, it's especially happening with with Christmas films because obviously you know everyone gets into the, the festive yeah. spirit and things like that. So it's popular to really re-release these films. Be interesting to see. Because, I mean, it does happen a little bit for Halloween. You know, yeah. when Halloween's coming around and mm. some cinemas will show or, like, have events where they'll show, like, horror films and things yeah, like that. Yeah, all the films. But, yeah, it is definitely happening a lot more these days where you'll see Christmas films yeah. kind of reintroduced to the cinema. Mm. And, I mean, I, I, I actually saw that film three times in the cinema as a child mm-hmm. due to poorly planned field trips and family trips and things like that. And I could not tell you a thing about it. Oh, really? It did not stick with me at all. Yeah, yeah. Did, I know there's a, there's a train. I know Tom Hanks is there. Yeah. There's there some sort of present <laughs> mountain at some there point. There is some there sort is. of present mountain. That's telling, though. That's oh, yeah. interesting. It, it is. It absolutely is. Uh, maybe that's Rory why has I've an never... awful memory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> maybe that's why I've never really sought it out, because yeah. maybe I just feel like I'm too old at this point Again, as I saw well. this when I was in the cinema, like working at that cinema. So Yeah. Yeah. What about the uh, story about the father in Gremlins? No, that's controversial. Yeah, because... Well, I watched that film as a kid, and it, that film scared me a little bit as yeah. a kid, and I remember my parents didn't like it very much. They didn't like me watching it, but I did watch it. And there was this, this you know, the the girl in it, played by Phoebe Cates, tells this horrendous story, like, the most horrific story you can tell about how her father died. And I remember I would literally forward wine through it when I was a kid because it upset me and scared me so much. Yeah. But now as an adult and I watch it, it's really, really friggin' funny. <laughs> like, it's a joke. Like, it's a black joke. It's a it's black comedy that I didn't get at the time. But yeah. now, you know, you watch Joe Dante's movies and, and the, the way it's delivered, the way it's so relentlessly just the worst thing you could imagine in this fun Christmas horror movie. And I, I love it. And I... I piss myself when I watch it so I think that's a really good scene that one that I really hated as a child yeah you're not a fan Luke I do I do like it so I saw Gremlins when I was far too young to see it and again I think uh, I, I think a babysitter showed it to me under the idea oh well of course this is going to be it's a fun Christmas movie yeah and Spielberg. all I got was Gremlins <laughs> like these cute little fluffy things that look like my cuddly toys yeah. could at any moment burst Come into like these creatures that want to kill yeah, me the, mog- like, the mogwai yeah it's so, it's a brilliant movie, but it's, yeah. it, I think it, it didn't mess with a lot of kids' childhoods because a lot of children were exposed to it, maybe younger than they should have been. Yeah, yeah. I think I I think I need to revisit it because and it, cause it's nasty. It's a nasty film. Yeah, 
but yeah it, it's worth revisiting it's it's a really good christmas and, it, and it, it's got that sense of, of wonder of christmas as well it's set in small town america you know the kind of the same small town that um it's a wonderful life is set in pretty much yeah absolutely yeah. that and close community yeah and it's there's yeah. something yeah it's it's a, it's a magical movie but i remember yeah my dad didn't like it he didn't like it the ending when the gremlins weren't blamed for it they blamed it on people writing or something he didn't like that <laughs> he didn't like that why haven't they why haven't they got the blame <laughs> It's all about responsibility. Uh, any more for any more? <laughs> yeah, I actually have Come on, one. Rory. Keep it, let's keep it going. Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. Which the one? original. The original, course. okay. Uh-huh. Uh, at the moment at the end when um, the the girl spots the house that she asked Santa for and then she runs inside and then the parents are like, oh no, this isn't right, this isn't right. And then they find the, uh, they find the, what do they find? Is it crotch? It's been a while since I've I seen it. I don't remember. They, fi- mm. they find uh, some item that is the indication that it actually yeah. was Santa Claus who got them the house. And I love that moment as a kid because that's right at the end and it's just Sp- fantastic. Spoiler alert. Yeah. 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 Spoiler Oh god, yeah. No, uh, uh, it's, it's a great movie. But to be fair, I think the remake is pretty good. I think the casting of Richard Attenborough uh, as Santa Claus works, uh, the girl, the girl, and it's adorable. Oh, it's Shirley Temple in the original, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're both great movies, but no, I agree. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I don't think it gets enough as much attention as maybe it should, especially because there's been a remake that was popular. But it, it's it's up there with It's a Wonderful Life in terms of a real sweet, lovely classic. And that whole moment, the. Uh the whole scene in the courtroom with the letters to Santa Claus. Yeah. It's just, it's iconic. Yeah. It's the same with uh, It's a Wonderful Life, the whole, you know, yeah. Christmas, no one knows who you are, that sort of thing. And, and I feel like Jingle All The Way a little bit, it's kind of it's 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 kind of wrapped up in the marketing of Christmas and the, you know that it kind of has a go at all that side of things, but it also kind of celebrates it a little bit. And you know, I think the second half of Santa Claus the movie is a bit like that, or is the first half really good? But but Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, it talks about the kind of the way it's become just a marketing tool for for shops. Yeah, but at the same time, it it it's kind of it cuts through that in a really sweet way that I think absolutely yeah, yeah where it's you know what the the whole kind of moral conclusion is that it's not the actual toy that mattered. It was yeah. spending time with the dad. And that's quite a nice conclusion yeah. to the film, wrapped in this comical commercial sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, Luke? I liked uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey one. I don't actually mind. I find oh it... Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew you. I knew you. You'd have to sit on the naughty step for that because that's that another one. loud, obnoxious, just it's like someone shouting in my face for 90 minutes. So I, I, I couldn't get into it. I don't well, think I watched the whole thing. So I disagree because for a start, there's... The, the fact that the entire script rhymes, I actually find quite soothing. Um, I also... <laughs> Put just, it on when you're going just to bed. Just thing. I'm just, like, ah. Um, also, I do find Jim Carrey in a lot of his world is totally OTT. But I think he dialed it back slightly for this, maybe because the prosthetics were straight in his face. Um, <laughs> and um, Jim Carrey dials it back in the Grinch. That's a massive shout. <laughs> That's quite a claim, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it? it's such is. an understated performance. I just know, I don't mean that. The, uh, like, oh, the I, film where he moves five body parts every other I'm, word. I'm, I'm getting this. <laughs> I'm not being interpreting myself right. But um, it's at the moment I'm choosing anyway. I also like the aesthetics. I think it looks very Christmassy. It's very stylized, And like, you know, yeah. the, um, like the, the square they kind of have. Um, I really like it. And um, yeah, no, the, the moment is when... Uh, Cindy Lou Who meets the Grinch for the first time when she goes up to his his cave and it's just like it's the first time you've seen him interacting with anyone mm. and you kind of actually get other than Max the dog with the little nose which is which is cute um, that's why you like it isn't it yeah, yeah I like it for Max <laughs> and yeah and also Cindy Lou Who is Taylor Momsen who's obviously grown up to be a bit of a wild child so Ooh, yeah try hard <laughs> yeah. um I'm going to talk about horror a little bit. As you know, I'm a horror aficionado. There's a couple of really good Christmas horror films um, that I recommend to people. Black Christmas from 1974. Uh, It's a slasher movie uh, where kind of it's almost like the the baddies in the house. Uh, It's kind of like the 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 beginning of Scream is kind of uh, influenced by that. And what I love about Black Christmas is it it did it maybe four years before John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm. And everyone says John Carpenter's Halloween is this classic and it changed the film industry. But Black Christmas did it. I haven't it, actually seen Black Christmas. It, 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 Halloween might be a little bit, you know, it's a, it's a better made movie. Yeah. But a lot of the tropes, a lot of the um, the ideas and a lot of the um, the tone and it, it's all it's all from Black Christmas. So I think that's a really good one. I haven't got a specific moment. I mean, it's, it's, it's your typical slash affair but I kind of like the fact that it's set at Christmas yeah it makes it that much nastier and there's a film called The Children which I've championed on the site a few times it's a British horror film from about eight years ago and it's about a couple of families going out to the countryside and spending Christmas together in, in it like a, 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 a kind of wood cabin <laughs> and and the kids really does, the kids all start getting um like a cold 
that they've all got and they're all a little bit ill and then slowly but short and they're quite young kids they're toddlers pretty much where are we going with this and then uh, accidents start happening and then people start dying and the the kids the toddlers are killing the parents uh, (laughs) because of this illness that they've got and it's it's horrible but you know what it's really good it's kind of good fun like it's done it's done with a sense of fun if you can say that about that that (laughs) but you know yeah so again not not a specific moment from that but if you want to check out Christmas Horror I recommend Black Christmas I recommend The Children and finally there's a film called Rare Exports which is a Mm. Finnish film from about six seven years ago about uh, kids trying to find uh, finding out the true secret of Santa and he's actually evil and it's brilliant. It's actually got that Joe Dante Gremlins tone to it, yeah. where it's kind of, it's a kid's film, but it's nasty enough, or maybe too nasty for kids, and it's funny, and it's dark, and you feel like you're watching something you shouldn't be. And there is a scene in that where there is an army of Santa's evil elves running across the snow. Uh, I think they're after the kids at the time. And they're all played by really old men who are naked. <laughs> And you can just you just see what? this. It's all done for real. And they've got quite really long beards that are kind of sometimes covering their genitals, but not always. And it's just this sea, <laughs> sea of ball bags, like sprinting towards you uh, through the, from giving the, them black eyes. They're so dangly. <laughs> Jesus, uh, it's a brilliant scene. It's my favourite bit of the movie, and it just oh it, that film is really worth seeking out. Wow, well, you've sold really? me on it, definitely. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Okay, uh, any definitely more? Definitely not for children. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's the, like, if you're... Not Welcome a young child, but, like, world, if you're yes. 10 years old, I think you'd be sitting there going, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> this is great. Uh, any more for any more? Uh, I have one more. Okay, I'm coming to the end. Which uh, is The Santa Claus. Yes, okay. Okay. And I, I love the moment where um, they're taken on the sleigh to the North Pole, and obviously very skeptical that nothing's actually there. And then once it's revealed, the North Pole's there and the whole toy factory and you're given this, you know, magical kind mm. of tour of yeah, like what's yeah. going on. It's just fantastic as a kid, like you really buy into it. The little uh, like train tracks, you can just hop on and it goes yeah, all it's around cute. The, uh, the factory. I just think that's a great Christmas moment between yeah. like the father and the, the son as well, you know, because they're kind of struggling a little bit in their relationship. Yep. And then to go through this together, it's, it's, it's a great film. I absolutely yep. love it. Conveniently, I have one more, um, which is a, another modernish one, uh, Arthur Christmas. Am I right in saying you haven't seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah, no. I've Arthur- got it on DVD. Yeah. After so Christmas, I'm going to make a note now. Have you seen After Christmas? No. Okay, so it's, um. I think I'm right in saying James McAvoy voices the lead. Yeah. Um. But it, it's just brilliant. It somehow manages to do something that, you know, we've all seen, well, we've given examples of so many Christmas films, but it's just slightly, it's a slightly different twist on it. And his enthusiasm and exuberance is very childlike, but um, without spoiling it, you know, he's part of the lineage of kind of, Father Christmas, but like he isn't Father Christmas. Yeah, and it's just it's just a really really nice, um, it's just a really nice mm. film. And I w- I went to see it with my mum about two years ago. I think we'd both kind of had a really like rough couple of weeks in the run to Christmas. We were like, oh, should we just go to the cinema? And there was nothing on, and we were just like, screw it, let's just go and see this because it's Christmassy and it'll <laughs> cheer us up. And it was like it just really kind of was really nice and really funny and really happy. Yeah, good thing uh, you didn't go see ball bag Santa Claus over there. Yeah, like, oh, why not? How could things get worse? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, so, yeah, no, so I would I would heartily recommend Arthur Christmas. It's, it's really good. Okay, if you can each pick one moment, what would be your favourite out of Ooh. all those? That's tough. I'm going to probably go with either... No, no there's okay, one okay, choice. Okay, I'll go, I'll go for the Nightmare Before Christmas one because I, I make it a point to watch that on a yearly basis. And I just think that kind of joy and God knows I love a musical. So. Okay. Rory, if you can have one moment. I am going to go with the the uh, opening sequence of the, the Muppets, Muppet Christmas okay. Carol. Um, that's one, one, as you said, like one mm. soundtrack to a film that I have refused to let myself download and listen to. So I only get to hear the songs once a year. So it's a very special... Because you know, I'll get sick of it if you that's listen funny. to it too much. No, yeah. So I only hear uh, these songs once every year, and it just means so much to me. So that's definitely got to be mine. Wow, so you both went for musical moments. Yeah. You did, yeah. Well, music's emotive, isn't it? I mean, I'm tempted to go for ballbag Santa Claus. <laughs> now, you, now you call it that. But I won't. I'll, I'll go for uh, It's a Wonderful Life, George running through Bedford Falls, uh, just happy to be alive. Yeah. 
Uh, that is quite sweet. That makes it? me feel moments. makes me feel very positive. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Uh, right. Uh, let's do some feedback. Yeah. We talked for a long time there, didn't we? Did. So uh, who has the first bit? I do. So uh, Neil Patel from Leicester says, uh, "Thanks for reading my email last week. You didn't piss on my memories. Um, I was just merely showing my questionable taste in games. So on the subject of game exclusivity, do you think we would have seen games like The Last of Us if game exclusivity didn't exist? Competition amongst Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo can only benefit us gamers and push them into publishing high quality console." exclusive titles rather than rely on multi-platform yearly franchises with the promise of exclusive DLC to win over the consumer. In short, I'm all for it. Um, it's interesting because I don't think exclusivity is necessarily a good thing. I think if there's a great game like The Last of Us, like my um, my cousin is a staunch export, uh, yeah. export ex, uh, Xbox fan. And so he's never played The Last of Us. And I find that really upsetting because it's such a great game. I've never played it either. So because I just, I don't have any PlayStation consoles. Yeah, so, so and I find that that is a real shame because it is a real triumph in kind of the medium. But by the same token, I do think there is some benefit in what in what Neil suggested. Yeah, it's an interesting know, point. Because it does definitely foster, if you know you've got to kind of hit sale, you've got to sell a lot more to make the same amount of profit because you're only trying to hit mm -hmm. one platform, right? Yeah. So it better be definitive in what it's doing. Um, and that's again like, you know, you look at the fact that now Street Fighter is going to be... Uh, exclusive on PlayStation Street Fighter V. Um, and, you know, Microsoft is like, well, we're happy with that because we've got Killer Instinct. You know, that will hopefully push them to make the next Killer Instinct even better. Mm. Exactly. So, it's just one of the, the, you know, the pros and cons of competition. Exactly. That we is, always say that competition is healthy. And, you know, I think that this is just further evidence to that. So, absolutely. yeah. yeah Did I, I get think, your feedback? Yeah, no, you've got that bit first. Oh, so that's, okay. that's a follows up uh, another about exclusivity because obviously we talked about it at length last week. Yeah. Uh, so James Toy Toyu Toyu I believe. Well, uh, he's 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 shown you how to pronounce it there. Oh, he has. He's actually spelled it out phonetically, Koyu. and I did highlight I was close. it. Close. James Toyu. <laughs> Thank you, James. Oh, and a little winky smiley. Wink. Oh, you didn't see that because I just it's a podcast, right? There's a camera uh, there. Oh yeah, wink. Blimey, uh, just get on with it. Sorry, yeah. Duck Hunt. Listening to your latest cast, and you talked about what game would be. Uh, a console seller for us listeners, and I definitely know mine, since it already happened. The first, uh, I was a hardcore Nintendo fanboy back in the day, and Super Nintendo reigned king because of Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. Then Final Fantasy VII got announced for PlayStation, and I ended up purchasing the game seven months before I could even afford the PSX. I was 13, in brackets. Mm. Second time, more recent, uh, was now being a semi-fanboy to Sony, although I tend to buy all systems these days. I wanted an Xbox One for Killer, Inst Killer Instinct. There you go, mm. it does tie in nice. Uh, luckily, I managed to get one for my birthday, which also ended up flipping, still new and unopened, for a new day one edition I lucked out finding in a local electronics store. Having two kids now, I have to start being selected on my video game spending, but would I do it again? Yes. And I, <laughs> and I think only for two games slash series. Obviously, Final Fantasy, mm. which you know a lot about, Luke, uh, as mentioned above. But a new grown obsession would be that I follow Destiny wherever it goes. Yes. That is interesting. And that is James Koyu. There you go. Yeah, well, I think he says it all there, doesn't he? But that's yeah. very interesting. It's an interesting viewpoint on this subject. Have you guys flip-flopped at all in your kind of, uh, your, your consoles? Um, Following games or, you know, popularity, uh, things like that? My uh, What I usually go with is what my friends have. So when I was younger, I had my PlayStation. I always had a PlayStation 2. Yeah. I got an Xbox to play with my cousin because he wanted an Xbox. Um, and actually Fable, I think the original Fable where Peter Molyneux promised the Earth, um, that the promises really wrote me in and then I got it and it was a bit... Um, so yes, no, I think I probably did for that, but I've always kind of... I've always had... Um, both eventually it's just kind of been a question of first at the moment i don't have an xbox one and i don't have a wii u yeah um but i'm debating buying myself a wii u for christmas as a christmas present to myself because i've been just that's not awesome. lame i've just been that's awesome not. this year and i just think someone's got to recognize it right <laughs> uh, i've done a bit of what he has obviously i started off as a nintendo fan uh, yeah. like a lot of people and then i've kind of I went got into PlayStation as well for a lot of you know the the newer generation but then now i've kind of shifted over to xbox so i've kind of been at all in all the fields. You're basically a whore. I, yeah, I'm a video game whore. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so yeah, I, there are pros and cons. It is basically just, a lot of it depends on what your friends have and what you know they're yeah. enjoying. So yeah. Exactly. Uh, I've got a email from Ka Kyle Marsden, who's talking, we talked about Troy Baker last week and how he's 
omnipresent. Is that the right word? Yeah, everywhere. Uh, he says, hey guys, I've just listened to your discussion last week about Troy Baker being in everything as a voice actor in games. And you mentioned um, him in Call of Duty Advanced Warfare got me thinking. In that game, Troy voice acts a character called Jack Mitchell. But it wasn't until I googled him that I realised the graphic model of him is actually based on what he looks like. And with further investigation found out that all the characters in the game are designed to look like their real life counterparts. This got me thinking. We see actors playing different roles all the time in films and TV, but could we do the same in games? Could Troy or a similar voice actor pop up in another game as a character that looks like him and so therefore start building up his acting repertoire through a virtual representation of himself? What do you guys think? So I think this is a tricky one because one of the strongest things that game voice actors have going for them is that they can do different roles and they're not kind of pinned down by their looks. So, you know, Troy Baker is um, Pagan Min in Far Cry 4, right? Yeah. Um, despite not being the same ethnicity as him. So, like, you know, there's lots of different things. It also depends whether they want to do motion capture or performance capture. Like, I know um, performance capture, obviously, is when they capture everything. So that's what they did with Kevin Spacey. He also had the little balls on his face. Yep. So they could recreate it. <laughs> not for the first time. <laughs> what? No, go on. Lads, lads, lads. Back to Santa Claus. Yeah. Can we cut that out? Yeah. Snip that out. Uh, we need to beep that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. So, so that happened. And um, it was also... So I... <laughs> Going to prison, I'll spend Christmas oh, in prison. It'll be fine. Um, so I see, I see what you're saying, but I think one of the strongest points is so Troy Baker is everywhere. Um, like he's yeah. in everything. You know, he was yeah. Joel in The Last of Us. He yeah. Was, well, now we did the list last week, yeah. and it was exactly. incredible. Yeah. So he's absolutely everywhere, and I think if it was based on how he actually physically looked, that's you know. But is that not how it's going to happen going forward in films, where you get the choice to cast uh, Brad Pitt to look like Brad Pitt in a movie? Or you cast him in, you know, Lord of the Rings, Warcraft, X, um, Planet of the Apes, where then you've got the the motion it's capture. I, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting question. Uh, I, if he started cropping up in different games, looking like he does yeah. in real life. It's interesting, though, because then you kind of... It's weird, because in, in games, we're kind of... Or in films, we don't mind, oh, yes, this is Tom Hanks in this, this is Tom Hanks in this but it's not the same character. Well, yeah. I don't know if maybe in games we're not used to that. And if we see the same, someone who looks the same as someone else, we kind of automatically make the connection. Is there a connection between these two universes or yeah. something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's actually would need a bigger kind of sea change. I didn't even really think of any cons for it until you kind of started stating the cases because mm -hmm. I am absolutely all for, you know, making, advancing with performance capture and motion capture. Yeah. One of the, the you know, the, the greatest... Uh, characters in any video game that I experienced was Vass in Far Cry 3. Yeah. And I actually, I really found him incredibly fascinating and I did a lot of research on it. <clears throat> and he too was actually, uh, it was an actor who came into audition for the role and originally I think that the character design didn't didn't look anything like the, the actor. But after he did this performance and I think he even threw on this accent, this kind of uh, Spanish accent or, you know, Mediterranean accent. And they absolutely, they just changed the character to look like him. And you know, because of this, you just have one of the most iconic villains. Uh, all the cutscenes are just mem mesmerizing. It is just really incredible. And I think if you can get that kind of emotion and that kind of detail out of a performance uh, without doing the capture, then you know that also works. Mm. But it is obviously a lot more complicated because if you're just using the voice from a character, yeah, then it's it's hard to get the little intricacies uh, of the facial movements and things like that. But it's definitely interesting to see how how it will progress. But I personally am very interested to see in performance capture become yep. a bigger part. Just um, uh, that's it. So um, just kind of linking into that. Um, do you remember Star Wars: The Force Unleashed? I do. Yes. Because there was a game. Uh, the guy who played uh, Darth Vader's apprentice in that uh, Star killer he's played by uh, Sam Witwer is the guy's name mm. who is an actor yeah. and um, his appearance is based on Sam Witwer and so he looks exactly like Sam Witwer and now it's weird because in the comics that also deal with uh, with that guy yeah. with with you know the character um, his appearance is used so it, do it does kind of happen that way sometimes he's kind of like through acting in a game he's then gone into extended stuff Elsewhere. Exactly, I, which is great. It's great to be able to do that, you know, for people I don't know what else him. he's been in. I only know he was in The Mist. He's in The American Being Human. Yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah Sam Witwer from The American Being Human, and I just seen him in the Stephen King, The Mist adaptation. Not Sam Witwicky from Transformers. No, definitely not. Lukey, you're up next. <laughs> I am indeed. So, um, this <coughs> is from Joseph from Melbourne. Mm -hmm. um, he says, I want to throw in my opinion my personal game of the year, uh, mainly because he doesn't think anyone else will look at it. Um, it's a game called Transistor. 
So I played and it is very good. So he says, uh, the visuals, music and gameplay speak for themselves. It's beautiful and incredibly fun if you like tactical games, but none of that's why he l fell in love with the game. A lot of people let themselves get confused by the slightly convoluted story about why the events in the game are happening. But what he found brilliant was that none of it mattered. All that mattered for Red, the heroine, was rescuing her love interest from the predicament he's wound up in. And all that mattered to Mr. Sword, the love interest, was that Red survived the events to come. The frustration you feel from Red not being able to communicate with him and how they go about facilitating what little communication they do is heart-wrenching and really clever. The world's fallen apart around them, but all they, and by extent you, care about is each other, and the payoff's magnificent. So he says, uh, these days, where, um, where to be critically acclaimed usually means the fiction in question is seriously depressing. I love the game for making me smile and fall in love with the characters. Um, and he also says, uh, please give us more football talk. Excellent. Well, I can't really help with that. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, for that. Sorry, yeah. Football, football. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to hear, though, it's something that's a, a, a game that kind of isn't on a huge amount of lists. Yeah. Uh, being called out. And it does sound like an interesting game. It is. I, think, I have a feeling it was on, it was one of the PS Plus free ones a while ago. Yeah. I was going to ask, is it like, is it an exclusive? Or is it no, I think it's on both platforms, but I do think it was a PS Plus game um, a couple of months ago. I have a feeling, but I'm not sure. Cool. Uh, we're gonna. I think we're gonna save that till a bit later. Actually, okay. let's do uh, out this week first. Uh, games. I believe it's a bumper week for games, isn't it, Luke? Uh, yes, we have a lot to get through. Um, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. Good. So there you <laughs> go. nothing out this Absolutely week. Absolutely nothing. So absolutely now. Uh, films. Um, so there's the film I mentioned earlier, Contiki, mm -hmm. which is about the 1947 crossing of the Pacific on a raft. Uh, it's been around for a while. It's been floating around <laughs> for a while. <laughs> uh, I mean, year or two. I've heard about this film. I think, and there's. I think there's maybe a dubbed version or maybe they shot it in English and um, in the country it's from and I can't remember which country it's from yeah. but anyway apparently it's a very good action film I don't think it's going to be in every cinema but it's on Netflix now or soon uh, we've also got uh, Night at the Museum 3 um yeah, I don't really know what to say about that. <laughs> uh, Gav saw it and he quite liked it, which surprised oh. me. Um, Have you it, seen any other ones? I haven't seen any of them. Yeah, I saw the first one. I think I did. I interviewed. I might have done some interviews on the first one. I feel Robin Williams is in this. He is. And apparently someone told me it's depressing that he's in it because it's such a grim note for him to go out on because it's a bad film. Yeah. And then Gav was saying it's actually quite a, it's quite a sad role because it, what it, his character's going through in the film is quite depressing yeah. about having to deal with life maybe being a statue forever and just disappearing um, good god yeah. so we gave it 6.3 but also in the conclusion said it lacks heart and humour which surely a film like that needs both of them to work yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that's what it is basically. it just feels like a waste it's such a good cast it just feels yeah. a bit wasted uh, I've heard Interesting things about Rebel Wilson's accent as well. Yeah, is she a Brit in it? She, well, in theory. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If... And if you watch that interview that went viral uh, this week, Ben oh, Kingsley, that girl, God. he seems to think Rebel Wilson's a man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not in your work team, is he? <laughs> like, mm, thanks, <laughs> Sir Ben. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, if you want something to take the family to, you could do a lot worse than Night Museum 3. Mm. Inoffensive, but... It's not gonna. It's not gonna uh, yeah. make your Christmas. Uh, Dumb and Dumb and Two's out finally in the UK. It came out in America a couple of months ago. Um, youngsters, either side of me. Any interest in Dumb and Dumber? I like uh, when I watched the first one when I was a kid. I yeah. was like, this is rubbish. I don't enjoy this. But then weirdly, when I got older and watched it again, I didn't mind it because it's so stupid. Yeah. I actually kind of have a funny story about uh, the second one. This was kind of around the, the decline of the like the uh, DVD stores where you go like rent DVDs. Uh -huh. So we went and our local one was actually closing down. Uh, me and my brother went. And we were like, you know what? Let's get let's rent out Dumb and Dumber too. So I took it. I was like, hey, can we rent this out? And they were like, uh, they were like, you can you can buy it for two pounds. And it's like, oh, we just want to rent it. <laughs> and they were like, well, it's two fifty to rent. It's like, or it's two pounds to buy, and I was just like, I've got two fifty. Like, I don't really want. I don't. It's, I'm gonna watch it once. Let's face it, and then it's probably gonna sit in my house. And she was like, Do you just want it one fifty? So I was like, All right. So, we, so I bought it. I wow, you were haggling. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about the prequel? Yeah, Dumb, Dumb and Dumber, Dumber prequel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah Dumb yeah, and Dumber. Yeah. Sorry, that's confusing. Because this one's Dumb and Dumber too. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah. That's Dumb and Dumber, the prequel that uh, didn't have the involvement of the original people. Uh, I have a bit of a story on that front. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I went out on the set of Hostel uh, and uh, I got to know, I, I knew some of the people involved with the film and one of the actors, one of the main actors in it, oh, man, what's his name? I think it was called Jeff. Uh, no, he wasn't called Jeff because that spoils it. Uh, Dennis, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> he was in Dumb and Dumberer and it was it was such a huge disaster that like <laughs> I said, people were telling me when you interview him, just don't bring it up. 
just he doesn't want to talk about it he just hate this is so embarrassed and so i didn't i got on really well with him we, we had an in, we had a really nice interview and then we all went out drinking that oh night God, oh no. and i got hammered and i thought right i'm having you mate <laughs> and so, <laughs> and, so yeah, and i was just looking at him I'm, I'm like man you really you really remind me someone of someone i can't think who it is and he's like really i'm like yeah yeah hold i said hold on you look like a young jeff daniels oh, <laughs> and he God. went he went F off. I'm not going to swear. And uh, and then uh, we got chatting about it. Uh, he, he was joking. He was, I was joking. He was joking. We had a drink about it. And um, he just said to me that, you know, when he, when he signed up for that movie, he hadn't done much. And he was kind of, you know, his agent, his manager would say, this is going to be massive. Yeah. This is a prequel to one of the biggest comedies of all time. Um, it's going to put you on the map. This is, you have to do this. And all the way through it, he thought, man, I'm going to be huge. Oh, like, this, no. is, this is it. And then literally for like two years, he couldn't get any work because it was, it was just, it was like, it was, it was poisonous yeah. being in that movie. So, <laughs> so anyway, God. Dumb and Dumber 2. I don't remember it being that bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Well, well it's, it's worth £1.50. It's because, <laughs> you know, Dumb and Dumber is, is, is a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. yeah. And so for anyone else trying to do Jim Carrey, it's not possible. The same with Son of the Mask. You had Jamie Kennedy trying to be exactly. Jim Carrey. It does not work. Yeah. Um, because he's unique. He's one of a kind. And in Jeff Daniels, like, playing against type was really, really funny in it. Um, so I, I would say it's one of my favourite comedies of all time. I watched it with my family as a kid in the States in the cinema and it was just, we all laughed all the way through it. It was just a really good memory. I've watched it loads since. I think it's a really funny film. Um, I think it's the best Farrelly Brothers film, actually. Mm, yeah. This one, unless you feel like me about the original, I don't think you'll get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a trip down nostalgia lane and... It it works. I mean, there's lots of callbacks to the original film that you won't get if you haven't seen it, which I think is kind of not very fair on... It's 20 years, <laughs> you know? I was going to say. Uh, but it's fine. In the last half hour, I got a bit bored. But it is funny. It's really non-PC, which is really nice to very nice see in this day and age. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was okay. It, it made me feel similar to how Anchorman made me feel, the sequel. Mm. Yeah. I won't be watching it again yeah. I'll be watching the original the again exactly. uh, so we gave it 6.3 but yeah I mean not a huge amount of great movies out this Christmas so oh they have just all the re-releases yeah, yeah so exactly. watch watch all the Christmas movie moments that we suggested yeah, exactly. um, well so, bar, bar one yeah bar one uh, <laughs> if you pass me uh, that let me, I'll, I'll read that out because it's a bit kind of self-indulgent but this one. yeah we got quite a, quite a nice email from the Duck Hunters yeah um, from Kevin uh, Jamie and Scott and they said, I won't read the whole thing out because it says lots of nice things about us and that's a bit cringeworthy to read that. But he says, uh, Duck <laughs> Hunt, uh, hi guys, um, this isn't a question, but thank you and a Merry Christmas from everyone over at the Facebook group. Uh, this year has been a great one, what with the community coming together and helping you win the much-deserved Gamers' Choice Awards at this year's GMAs mm. and the forming of the fan Facebook Duck Hunt group, which has grown to a healthy size and also helped many of us make new friends online and off. And that's really lovely. Uh, it's been nice to become friends with all you guys as yeah. well. And thanks for thanks for supporting the, the quizzes and the events we've done. Thanks for listening to the podcast and yeah I think this is the last one this is the last one we're doing before Christmas yes yeah. there will yes. be ones tiding you over I yeah think. yeah we're going to do sort of uh, previews of next year and looking back at this year but mm. this is the last one so I think we just want to say a big thank you to everyone yeah. for listening and watching Absolutely. and commenting and emailing you do it for like you know we kind of do it for you guys really because you you give us the stuff to keep talking about and like you know, yeah it's yeah, nice it's, to know that you're enjoying it. Yeah, and, and thanks for welcoming the newcomers to the yeah. podcast. God exactly. knows we haven't welcomed them in the office. Rory, <laughs> Rory and Gav. It's but, actually a really, uh, I've kind of hovered around the group a little bit on uh, Facebook before. It's really nice. Everyone there is like really great. It's yeah. one yeah. of those like positive energy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very rare uh, internet game comment. Yeah. Where there's just no assholes. Yeah, I was like it's say. just genuinely nice people. Yeah, and it's welcome relief sometimes when you go from the comments we receive sometimes <laughs> on our <laughs> yeah, side. Yeah, go over there. It's like, ah, oh, it's like having a, a cleansing bath. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And happy holidays to everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>